Welcome to this week's episode of Bricks and Clicks. Today, Colin and I are joined by Mary Tarchinsky, who is the Principal and Client Solutions Lead of Parabolic. Mary, welcome to the show. Maybe you could kick things off by telling a little bit about yourself and what you do at Parabolic. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here, having followed your show for the past year or so, ever you've been going on Bricks and Clicks, one of my favorite things to do while I'm walking around the block. I love that. I've been working at the intersection of CPG sales and marketing for my entire career since the early 90s. I started out at Nielsen and Coca-Cola, then I was at Kraft and Clorox, worked on the Campbell's account while I was at the Mars Agency, and got some great, good, big, big CPG experience. But in 2016, I have co-founded Parabolic with my partner, creative director, Jason Unger, because we wanted to take big shopper marketing principles and big agency experience and offer it to emerging natural brands or established natural brands with leaner budgets, just to give them that same great strategy and thinking, but in a leaner, faster model, more agile model. And our agency offers, it's called Parabolic because we offer ideas with trajectory. It's really about integrated strategies, creative concepts, and activations to help brands sell in and sell through at retail. The sell in is anything from sales presentations, trade show booths, things to help you get on the shelf. And of course, the sell through is what's going to get you off the shelf. How are you going to market these pro- your products? products, your brand, to shoppers, omni-channel planning, execution, brand partnerships, merchandising units, et cetera, that sell through your product. Awesome. Well, it's, it's great to have you on the show. And for our listeners out there, Colin and I have worked with Mary for over about five years now. And if you remember one of our episodes from season one, we did a deep dive on our internship program. And I just want to give a nice shout out to Mary and her team. She helped us revamp all of our marketing around our recruiting. And so she played a really big role. That was actually how we first started working together with Parabolic at Omnium. And we couldn't be happier with the work. I think that's played a big role in terms of the talent and the content that we're able to put out to recruit those really smart people from top-notch universities. So, Mary, thank you for all that work. We really appreciate it. And yeah, let's dive into some shopper marketing. Colin, what you got? Thanks, Johnny. My first question is more for the folks who are listening, who are hearing us say the word shopper marketing and are asking, well, wait a second, why is, what, how does this differ from your regular marketing or customer marketing, which we talk a lot about? So Mary, could you help us and talk about what is shopper marketing and how does yeah. that differ from these other types of marketing? Absolutely. Well, on a broad basis, we define shopper marketing as marketing that's targeted to consumers when they are in shopping mode. And one way to think about this is, you know, car ads. You may see them all the time. They just kind of pass you by. But then all of a sudden, if you start shopping for a car, you're in the in the market for a new or used car, all of a sudden you're paying attention to those signals. You are in shopping mode. And it's the same thing with CPG. When you're planning a meal or planning a party or having a baby or some kind of change in behavior, remodeling, you know, you're gonna be buying new things. And so you're in shopping mode. So how do we how do we target our marketing to reach people when they're in shopping mode? Got it. Yeah, and that's a lot different than customer marketing. Marketing when we're, say, talking about dealing with a Safeway and running a promotion at Safeway, you're saying shopper marketing is more actually talking to the individual consumer as opposed to the retailer. Yes, but through the retailer. And, you know, I would say, I know when we were talking earlier, we were like, how has this changed? You know, I've been doing this for 25 years, right? And how have things changed? And when I think back to my days at Coca-Cola in the mid-90s, we were primarily talking to the shopper through point of sale at retail displays and case cards and aisle blades and things like that. Often we had those little boxes, you know, for our sweepstakes, win 49ers tickets or something like that. We were kind of leveraging our properties to bring to a retailer 
seller to ask for display and to pass something along to their shop. And then during my time at Kraft, Clorox in the early 2000s, we were doing co-branded media. So we might have a TV spot or a radio spot or a print. Remember the, the FSIs, the Sunday the coupons and the Sunday paper? Mm-hmm. And those might be co-branded with a retailer, right? So we would take that marketing investment and say, oh, go buy this at, at Kroger, go buy this at Safeway or save dollars, et cetera. That all changed with the rise of smartphones, right? And now in the past 10, 12 years, everyone's got a smartphone. And through digital ads, you know, we know where those phones are going. We can target mobile ads to shoppers who are buying the category in the stores, even if you're not in full chain, but just in the specific stores that you're in. So it's a lot more complex than it was in the past, but there's shorter lead times and everything's much more fast paced. You get real time data and you make up do a lot of testing and learning and optimization. Got it. So kind of like the last mile. If you think about fulfillment, like the last mile, right, is the hard part. It's kind of like that in the marketing world where it's people are there ready to shop. Right. How do you just get them to take that last right. step? Ready to shop or if they're making their list or building their e-com basket, right? And, and that's another recent change, you know, particularly since the pandemic, all the major retailers are offering media now, right? So you can buy Rondell through Target, Kroger Precision Marketing, Albertsons Media Collective, et cetera. And these buys allow you to get first party data data of, of what people are buying. So you get closed room reporting. However, these are revenue centers for the retailers, right? So there is, you're paying a premium for that data because the retailers are making money off of that. And, and think about sponsored search, you know, it's almost become a cost of doing business now because you want your products to show up when someone is making their list online. So, you know, it, it's just an investment the brands have to make. So for an example, like you mentioned some of those big marketing companies or programs that the retailers are doing, would just for you at Safeway or Albertsons, is that a type of shopper marketing program? Would that yeah. go into a shopper marketing budget? A- absolutely. Usually, I mean, it, it varies by company, but but shopper marketing is always, you know, stakeholders are obviously the retailer, but but your sales team and your marketing team. And they yeah. are, you know, you're collaborating to say, okay, here's our trade plan. But how can we add some shopper marketing into it? So what you may want to do is do some targeted coupons Mm -hmm. that aren't available to everybody, like a TPR, but you're very specific. Like you might do a free trial program, what Safeway Albertsons calls a digital demo, where you want to give a certain targeted uh, shopper, you know, let's say a plant-based meat. They're buying other plant-based meats and you want to give them a a trial of your plant-based product and then hopefully they'll repurchase, et cetera. Or you want to get people who are lapsed buyers, you know, an incentive to come back or current brand buyers, you want to give them an incentive to stock up or try a new product. So targeting digital coupon programs are great. We do a fair amount of digital coupons for all of our clients. You bring up a good point around sales and marketing having to work together for these type of shopper marketing programs. In your experience, who typically owns the shopper marketing budget? Since it's not trade dollars and it's not typical brand or consumer marketing, where does that usually lie with the companies you work with? It varies. So some people have it in brand and some people have it in or, or in marketing and some people have it in sales. As long as it is associated with the customer, it should always be looked at with that total account level PL, which I know you guys look yeah, at, right? So for sure. as if you look at your trade plan, you look at your everyday costs and all that all the money you're spending with account, shopper marketing should be seen as part of that. I would say a little bit more often than normal, it's sort of associated with the sales budget, but marketing has approval of you know how it's being spent, of the strategy of who you're targeting, and certainly of the creative message you know to make sure that aligns with the overall brand message. Yeah, and we're seeing that now too with the companies we work with, and obviously you are as well. 
where there's now dedicated teams to shopper marketing. Either it's a person or it's a couple team, a director and a manager, an analyst. And they kind of play that role between that go between between marketing and sales where they can help with that collaboration. So exactly. even in our time of working in the industry, Colin and myself, this has been a big change and a big shift in terms of adding more and more dollars and investment to these shopper marketing funds. Part of it is the measurability, right? So some of the general marketing, unless you're driving to your website and driving D to C, you don't know how effective it is. But if you are driving to a retailer site, you can measure the, you know, the return on ad spend. So that's, I think that's one of the reasons the dollars are moving in that direction. Yeah. yeah. Could you maybe talk a little more about that return on ad spend and how else we measure the success of these programs when we're trying to make decisions about where to allocate those dollars? Yep. Well, generally, we always look at, you know, what what kind of sales can we associate with the program versus what we spent for the program. Now, it's not usually going to be as high of a return as trade spend, but there's other benefits you're getting for it. Hopefully, we are getting, we want to communicate a brand equity message. Why should you use this brand? You know, what? Well, how does it fit in your life? You want to try to drive new shoppers, right? So you're trying, or at least drive new consumption occasions among your current shoppers. So you don't want to spend it all in trade. You're trying to build your brand, right? So you're willing to accept shopper marketing is usually lower ROAS than trade, lower ROI than trade, but higher than general marketing. And you right. and the two work together. Like shopper marketing might fill in between trade events, or maybe you put shopper marketing on top of a lower investment event. Like don't put it on top of a BOGO, but maybe a right. TPR or something. Maybe you can get display something. to support. Yeah, to support absolutely. It, right? That I would say is the third thing is you should leverage your shopper marketing investments with your retailer, right? With absolutely. your category manager. Can you leverage it? Can you get new distribution by saying, I'm going to invest. If you take in this new line extension, this is what I'm going to invest in shopper marketing. Can you get display? Can you get some margin compression or a fee wave, a better shelf position and criminal facing? This is more money you're investing with them to drive awareness that the products are at their store. They need to give you something for it. Yeah. Kind of sweetening the deal on a lot of those uh, other programs. That third one you mentioned about kind of spending this to get new distribution or get that extra display. That's that's my favorite flavor <laughs> yeah. of shopper marketing. Yeah. And like something that one of the reasons I really like it is because you can actually go to the buyer and be like, hey, what are the programs that you want to see us participate in? And have it be a really collaborative discussion because often those buyers, right, they're scored on getting so many dollars into their new digital program. And if you can be the vendor that's really catering to those needs and spending the dollars in those buckets, and sometimes it's not that expensive. It's really good for the relationship. Yeah. So I, I really how, love that one. How do you also, the other thing you want to do though, is make sure you get your message across and not just, you know, not just pay a fee. I mean, it, yes, you can pay a fee to be on a display, but I would categorize that as maybe coming out of the trade bucket and that shopper marketing dollars really should be more targeted, should include an equity message, should have some kind of additional metric besides just driving sales. So you have to look at it holistically, but I want to have some kind of brand building activity as part of it. Yeah. One early on when shopper marketing was becoming more and more popular, working with one of our mentors, Randy Heaton, who was the head of sales at the time at Covina, his methodology and how he thought about shopper marketing was he assumed zero incremental sales in the budget. So they had their whatever, a million dollars or $2 million for shopper marketing and they could spend it. But he tied zero volume to it because he treated it as a way to get more distribution, manage your relationship with your clients mm -hmm. and get your brand awareness. So we could do yeah. free Fridays and different things like that with Just For You. And that's okay that we're losing money on an event basis, but there were better things that it was driving. And so I've always kind of taken that as kind of the first thought around shopper marketing. And then you can start evolving it as you get closer and say like, yeah, we got that display program and that drove an extra 20 points of lift. That's a great return for that investment. 
Yeah. And think about retailers want a greater share of your brand marketing dollars, right? That's why they've come out with these programs. So if you use that as, okay, retailer, here's your trade plan. And that's like the base level. And then you take that, whatever you have potential for shopper marketing budget and make sure you're getting something incremental of it. Then that's how those two can work together. Yeah. And it adds a lot more style to the substance, like you were mentioning, where you get to put your brand's branding on the messaging and not just be tied to the retailer. That's very powerful. Um, And and I guess one other piece too on that I was going to ask is what are some of the best events that you've seen in terms of measuring success in terms of your history? Which ones worked really, really well? And if you just had to go generically, hey, first dollar on shopper marketing, I want it to go to X. What have you seen? A lot of times, one of the first places to go is search. If you're not doing that, just to make sure you're showing up in e-com. Targeted digital coupons or just digital coupons in general are pretty efficient. I mean, especially like Sprouts, it's eight cents a clip. There's no setup fee. Others, you know, maybe you pay a setup fee, but then it's, you get really good redemption. So that's probably this next place I would play. And then the third would be then digital ads, you know, to promote your coupons or just to to reach new shoppers and get them to buy your product offsite digital. You can do onsite digital. Those are ads on the retailer's site, but you need to be a fairly big brand for those to pay out or you don't have a lot of SKUs. And then, you know, that's kind of all on the digital side. Point of sale in store, a shipper, if you can get it, or some kind of header, co-band display, or if you're a snack, you know, you might be able to tie in with a wine company and they can put a neck ringer that promotes your brand. Any kind of display unit where you can provide a little bit of product education at the shelf. You know, we've done some innovative stuff with digital communications at the shelf or even just a QR code that takes people to more information. So where you can have truly omni-channel outside the store, you know, getting on the list and then inside the store, those tend to work the best. You mentioned something really helpful for the folks listening in passing, Mary, which was the idea of the cost of, say, the fixed fee with the program or the cost of the clip versus redemption. So I think for folks listening, one thing to think about is if you're going to spend money on a program, how much of those dollars are going to facilitating the program and like lining retailer pockets versus actually going to a consumer to get execution. And that's like one measure. I think that comes into the efficiency of events is like how many Mm -hmm. of these dollars are doing the things we think. Sometimes we don't like when we look at programs, we don't have to think too much about it because we be like, oh, 75% of these dollars are just so that we can even start. And then it's not a good use of funds. Yeah. And I mean, that starts with your annual planning process, right? And, you know, we always want to look at, okay, just the basics, like what are your sales by accounts? What's your dollar sales and how much are they growing? That's one way to start to segment your budget. You're not going to invest in shopper marketing at every single account. You're going to focus on your top ones, depending on the size of your business and what resources you have. And you're going to maybe start with one or two drive periods. Maybe it's New Year's and beginning of summer or spring and back to school or holiday, you know, depending on the seasonality of your business. So start slow and test and learn. And then you start gathering the metrics to build the plan in the future. The other thing is, oh, I was going to say shopper marketing has to be planned before general brand marketing is now, right? And you know this, (laughs) it it needs to be at it's a very true. similar timeline of as account of, planning as account planning and usually like it's good i mean having done a few account planning sessions with you guys it's usually good to get the basics in first and have a general sense of what are the priorities at that retailer who are the top retailers that we want to invest in what are the things we need to win you know, we're getting new distribution or we need to support this line or we need to get more displays or we're changing our trade strategy we're going to go to fewer bogos and more low-level TPRs. You know, how can we not lose any volume with that? You know, so you start with those things, get some placeholders in place. Of it does, You don't have to have the creative done, just the basic idea so that then the account team can get that sold in 
And then as we get closer, just a few months out from execution, you have the learnings from the previous year, you have kind of where marketing's headed, and then you can finalize everything. Yeah, I think that's one of the best practices I've seen recently is you include the shopper marketing conversation as part of account planning. And that's mm-hmm. really an opportunity for the field to ask, hey, at Target, this is what I'd like to spend. And these are the events I want to get for shopper marketing. So it's going to be a million dollars. I want to get X, Y, and Z. And then at the end of account planning, when you've gone through all your customers, you have this list of all the opportunities from a shopper marketing dollar perspective that headquarters can then make the decision. The shopper marketing manager can make the decision and say, hey, I've got my $4 million. I can only do 75% of these events, and these are the ones I'm going to do. And then you can go out and say, hey, these are what we're going to do. These ones didn't make yep. it. These ones did. And now those, those plans can be released to the field. So yep. yeah, you're absolutely right. Fitting it into the account planning cycle is, is, is the way to go. And I would also say, hold a little back because something's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get, maybe someone gets new distribution. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, we need a little bit to support it. Or you yeah. have some urgent distribution. You know, XYZ is going to get delisted. We got to get the velocity up. Or this new competitor just came in and they're going, they're doing all these BOGOs. What can we do? Those kind of things. So plan it, but leave some flexibility in there to respond to situations like that. You're newer into shopper marketing as an organization. Do you recommend like a more of a blanketed approach, like try a hundred things or a fewer? Bigger- oh no, <laughs> definitely start small. That's why you segment. Like, look at that customer list and and decide. If you, obviously parabolic, you know, we will help people plan and and kind of fill in for that stuff. You don't have everything internal. Well, we can do a lot of that advice and planning and execution for you, but. Yeah, definitely start with, you know, a few customers and a couple of drive periods. And then as it gets more efficient, as you, you know, kind of have some good learnings and you know what's working, you know what to repeat and what not to repeat. And you can see which retailers are giving you better investments than others, which programs are are paying out better. It's easier the subsequent years. So you can add retailers, you can add drive period with the same size staff because you've just become better at it. One thing, one comment on some of the different programs I've analyzed over the last few years is Instacart seemed to be one that was always higher up on the ROI or the return. Have you had much experience with them in terms of shopper marketing and any thoughts or opinions on that? So that's interesting because they always show a high ROAS, you know, on the things that you do, but you don't know which retailer it came from unless that item is just in one or two retailers and you don't know what people would have bought anyway, right? Mm. It doesn't, they don't truly get you incremental volumes. So I do think it's important for brands, particularly food brands to invest with Instacart, but I think you have to kind of look at it holistically and some of the other things you're doing. The spend that you're doing with Instacart, you're not leveraging with a retailer. It's really, you know, a marketing play. Yeah. You, you can definitely test ad creative there. So it could be a good environment for that. And Love you can also kind of test some keywords and, and competitive defense versus your own brand words and things like that. So it's a good testing environment. And I don't think you have to spend a lot to get some learnings. So I think I think it's important to have a presence, but don't get fooled by just that, oh my gosh, it's a high ROAS, I need to put everything there because sure. you need to be spending some of your marketing money with retailers who will, you can leverage it for something. Awesome. That's that's very helpful because I've always wondered that too. And I think also they've been relatively cheap. So that helps with the ROAS calculation. So that's a good learning. Well, Mary, thank you so much for the time. One more question for you to wrap it up. Where can we see you? Where are you? Are you attending any trade shows coming up in the next six months? If people yeah. want to reach out and talk about shopper marketing or any of the marketing that happens with Parabolic, where can they yeah. find you? 
Well, you can find us at parabolicagency.com and you can find me on LinkedIn, Mary Tarchinsky. And I'm also on the board of Naturally Bay Area. So I'm active in the Naturally Bay Area events. And I was just at a Naturally North Bay event last night. So I'm active in the Bay Area market. My partner, Jason, is active in Detroit. And but we have clients all over the country and Canada. So happy to work with any mostly focused on North America. We'll be, yeah. of course, at Expo West in the fall, but would love to connect spring. with people online. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much, Mary. And I once again, appreciate all the help you do for Omnium. We're big fans and we really appreciate the work your team does. And, and thanks for coming on the pod. Have a great day.